Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler. And I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Today, we're looking at Jesus through the eyes of his mother. But before we throw our own Hail Mary, now that there's a chasm growing between us, let's take a sword and pierce the very souls of our favorite co-hosts, Meredith <laughs> and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Wow. How yeah. you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Yeah. How are Piercing you? Piercing your souls. Feeling alive. Yeah, you're feeling alive? <laughs> feeling good. Guys, I think we have to acknowledge it now. What's that? Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, you may or may not know, but this is literally, I don't know, our eighth episode back. Sure. Something like that. there has been nothing the same. A new there setup There hasn't been a time. single episode that is the exact same recording style as the prior episode, so... We have different tables, or we have different setups, or there's different um, lights. It's like, part of the charm. Well, we're the, trying to figure out. Like, blue. We're in a new space. Yeah. We're trying to get settled into, like, what what's our long-term plan here? Yeah, yeah. we just want to keep them guessing. Yeah. <laughs> like, we had that little table for forever, and then Tim came last week. And it was way and too was small. Like, yeah, that table was way too small to be on camera, and so... Now we have this giant. We can giant, fit every disciple table, at the, the last table supper yes. at this table. <laughs> but it's perfect. I can fit everything I need right One of here. these days, one of these days, I want us to have bookshelves with a bunch yeah. of little uh, uh, little Easter eggs for yeah. friends of the pod have it. based on sound clips or things about grace. Yeah, like, you remind yeah. me right before we started recording that the very first sound clip I ever captured, do you remember what it was? And I don't have it anymore. The very you first, lost very it. first one. Squirrel I, noises. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was me. <laughs> yeah, the very first one. Marin, she's sitting here on the pod. She's like, "Oh, I love squirrel I noises." I do. I still do. It's like one of those yeah. sounds of nature. And it was your comforting. go-to. It was your go-to uh, sound <laughs> yeah, clip anytime I mentioned anything with my animals. <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah. Now oh. it's rabbits and camels. It's yeah. lost forever. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Wow. Yeah, oh, it's so real sad. tragedy. Yeah. Uh, guys, what's new? How you guys doing? I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm I'm very busy <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah, I'm I'm very busy. Busy and wearing new between Sunday swag. I got the yeah. I got the new uh, the new shirt. New swag. New whatever this is called. What is sweatshirt? The, what's the plan for this swag? Well, I was, it's I for sale now at the <laughs> Grace really? merch store. Yeah. I received an email saying, "Hey, you're getting a sweatshirt. Which yeah. one do you want?" But like, I I have no idea. Yeah. What the plan is? Well, we we got courtesy shirts. Oh, did we? But uh, no one as, else. Does. As the hosts of <laughs> okay. the podcast, no one else, no one else does. <laughs> like, so Everyone just, else got to pay for. We're it. just supposed Friends to wear the pod, these. It now? is not yeah. courtesy <laughs> for you. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll get a bunch and give them away or something. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're fun. they're for sale on our website right now. We need to at least give one away to like longtime listeners, yeah. like best friends yeah. of the pod. Right. Well. That there's like a mini competition now. Now mm-hmm. that I mentioned last week, somebody came up to me and asked me a question or said, Hey, I want you to do this on the pod or ask this question. Like two other people did that this past weekend. Mm. So now there's a little competition for let's see what we can get on the <laughs> on the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, I interrupted. What's what's no, 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 I'm no. I'm fine. I it's like boring. I'm just super busy. I'm working yeah. a lot. There's so much to there's so much to teach this year. <coughs> And um, com- sorry, conversations to lead and all yep. that kind of thing. And I'm just like, I, I'm not, I'm not like drowning, but I'm just every moment is kind of spoken for. Yeah. So when I can take a break and be with the animals or work on the the shelves and stuff like that, it's great. But we'll yeah. talk a little bit about that. So you said there's a lot to teach this year. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, I mean, obviously there's always sermons and um, that just kind of is part of the job, but yeah. we're also doing some classes this year. Uh, I like, I'm teaching a class on revelation in May. I'll be teaching a class on Isaiah in the fall. I'm going to be redoing like virtually redoing my 
Bible class for Bible skeptics in yep. like a new format, an online class format to try that out. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm leading some significant conversations with the governing board that I'm walking through. We've got our staff retreat this coming week, yeah. this, this <laughs> Thursday and Friday, and I'm leading yeah. all of that. So yeah. it's a lot of just like content prep, which yeah. I love teaching. So it's, mm. it's good. Um, but good. yeah, it's just, yeah, that's all. That Boring. is a lot. Yeah. That's Busy. A ton. Yeah. Marin, anything new with you? Okay. I debated. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> I debated whether or not I was going to tell the story on the pod, but tell I it. will. I will do it, and then yeah. you can always edit it out if you deem it, you know, we don't in any that. way inappropriate. <laughs> oh, inappropriate! <laughs> it's wow. not inappropriate. It's not. I I had a great day yesterday. Yeah. I got to host here at Grace. Yes, you did. And then I left uh, the building and went straight to the grocery store. I went to the international grocery store down in Castleton. Okay. And I saw Grace family there. It's one of and those they grocery. Having chicken for dinner tonight. I, I don't think they were eating the chicken. <laughs> they were right outside of the Korean corn dog stand where my daughter used to work. So they might have been having that. But uh, it was just neat to go down and see a couple of Grace families in the grocery store and they're yeah. eating lunch. And both of my adult kids were there with their friends, just sure. party at the grocery store. Hey, classic. And I'm he partied hard. <laughs> I'm coming down the aisle. And I run into somebody who used to attend Grace many, many years ago. Yeah. And after exchanging, you know, a couple of pleasantries and greeting, they asked if I was still at Grace. And I said, yeah. And then they said, which one? And they're like, oh, the real one. And I said, mm, I wouldn't call it that. And they said, <laughs> well, well, you split, right? And I said, no, we, we say launched. We say planted. <laughs> yeah. But we wouldn't say split. Yeah, whenever you right. word split. Because it and wasn't. He said, I don't know what you call it when you divide plants in your garden, but I call it splitting. And oh. I said, I call it flourishing because now you got a plant growing here <laughs> and a plant growing there. It's called yeah. propagation. And everybody gets to grow. Mm. So <laughs> I just want to put it on record that I there love Grace Fishers and the people yeah. of Grace yeah. Fishers. And it is a win for the kingdom of God that they are flourishing. And God is doing awesome stuff here. And we are flourishing. Yeah. I just need to set the record straight. I don't right. want any, That's... I don't want none of y'all coming up to me in the grocery <laughs> store <laughs> talking about a split. That's not the truth at Small all. Small but encouraging woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really was fun to like yeah. run into so many Grace people sure. all at the same time at the international grocery store of all places. Yeah. yeah. Where I bought amazing uh, <laughs> spices to make Indian curried cauliflower. Plant-based life. Plant-based life, <laughs> which I did, and then brought to our own Richard Mergulio this afternoon, and I said, I need you to taste this and tell me how to make it better. So okay. I'm living my best so life. we'll keep everybody posted. Friends, we'll just let them know. Friends yeah. of the pod, I'm curious, for those of you who are very long-time listeners, how many of you expected that one day Marin would be the one going on and on about plant-based eating? <laughs> Not me. And not me, right? I didn't see that <laughs> yeah. coming. This was no, not... Did uh, not see it coming. I mean, I could tell you about the incredible chicken I grilled over the weekend, but the plant-based life... She's still all about that <laughs> occasional plant-based life. <laughs> <laughs> the occasional... <laughs> oh, guys, all right. Here's the phase I'm in. And actually, here's the phase my wife and I are in, because I didn't really... I wasn't the one to do it this time, but... We're in the phase of every weekend there's a different birthday party that our six-year-old has been invited to that we have to take and mingle with practically strangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. the phase we are in. Yeah. And They're, so they won't stay strangers for long. Well, I you you're gonna know these parents real well in a couple of years. 
do I have to? Yes. Like that's the- <laughs> yes. So and then when your child graduates, you can choose to unknown them if they don't <laughs> if they don't fit anymore. But yeah. not till then. It's just like every every weekend for the next couple weekends. It's like, oh, it's Clayton's birthday. Oh, it's Connor's birthday. Or it's so-and-so's birthday. And someone, my wife or I, have to take Milo to the party. Yeah. And, and then, then just like sit around and sit small talk. For every party is at least two hours. Not with, to mention the buying of the gifts. Yeah. Well, yeah. You need a whole other budget line just for yeah. gifts for friends of your kid. Yeah. So I'm glad we're talking about Mary today because I was, I was, one of my questions was, do you think Mary had to take Jesus to a bunch of birthday parties? <laughs> because nobody could survive this. <laughs> nobody could. You just need to have a really boring, dull anecdote that you tell every time so yeah. that people just don't want to talk to you. <laughs> nobody wants to talk they to They just me. leave you alone. Yeah. So I sit by myself. Um, so that's the phase we're in. And uh, if you guys have any tips on how to make it interesting or how to, here's, here's what I think ought to be the case. And I said this to somebody not on the show and they were like, you are insane. But I think you should not be able to have or invite, be invited to birthday parties until you can drive. Oh, <laughs> no, that may be the most That's, unfun, heartless thing you've ever oh said. Oh my goodness. Come on. More heartless what, than what is a what's the big idea between uh, graduation parties? parties? <laughs> what? You want to party? Earn it. <laughs> yeah. Earn it. All right. Grow so here's up. the thinking is that if you need to go to a birthday party, you should be able to take yourself. No, no. <laughs> you're, you're in the stage where you actually have to be there with them at the party. But that yeah. also changes. That changes. Oh, yeah. Eventually, eventually you get to just drop them off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually you drop them off and you don't even have to pick them up until the next day. Oh, sleepovers. Wow. Yes. All right. Well. Yeah. When, when's that coming? <laughs> it's, it's coming. You just be patient. Yeah, because this, this fa- and again, my wife did it this past weekend, but I've done it. But it's every, every, every weekend is now spoken for to some degree with, can't, here's what we're doing at this time every Saturday. You just got to like, yeah. you just got to start chatting about something, just like kind of go through all the topics until you find one that you both share and then just talk <laughs> about that the rest of the time. Yeah. And maybe talk about a carpool. Maybe Connor's mom can come and pick Milo up and you know, you parents helping parents. True. That's what it's all about, about. I haven't thought about that. Got to get creative yeah. to avoid that. But what if, what if then I'm the, car, I don't want to, I don't want to like be involved. Do you want to be the pickup parent or the drop off parent? Yeah, see? Or, or maybe you take this party and then they take next weekend's party. Yeah, but we'll figure this out. Parents helping parents. I'll, it keep, takes, I'll keep you guys it posted. It takes a village, Tyler. <laughs> I'll keep you guys posted. Um, all right, so we are in week three of our sermon series, Witness. The reason I remember it's week three because I have it written down. Hey, I well probably done. wouldn't have remembered, but <laughs> week three of our sermon series, Witness. And Barry, you're back after being um, not preaching, not the preacher for the past couple of weeks, but right. you are, you're back. Here I am. And uh, kind of share what the big idea was behind your sermon. Yeah, this one, I, I was really excited about this message. Uh, this, the whole series, in case you're just joining us, is basically we're looking at the person of Jesus through the lens or through the, the, the eyes of his followers. So kind of trying to see, are there new angles or perspectives that we can gain by, by seeing Jesus like in the way that he was understood and experienced Mm -hmm. by his people. And so this time we looked at a very unique person, follower of Jesus, who was his mom, Mary. Blessed is your mother. (laughs) That's a good one. Yay. That's a really good one. Um, Anyway, so so basically, 
Uh, what I wanted to draw draw our attention to was the fact that Mary, as Jesus's mother, had both the most like intimate, personal, close relationship with him. I mean, she nursed him, she raised him, she was his mo- like his mom. But she also, because of that closeness, had the biggest journey to walk of understanding his divinity or the the otherness and the the sort of strangeness that came as he stepped more and more into his mission. And I, I talked about it like a chasm that grew between them because this baby boy of hers became more and more incomprehensible to her. And yet my big point was that she never fell away. She stayed with him to the end. In fact, yeah. she was one of the only people, one of his followers that was actually there at the cross as he was dying. She was mm-hmm. there. And so that that sort of image of this mother who had every reason to be completely baffled by what her son had become was the most faithful disciple of all in a way. And so that I think was a big model yeah. to us. Uh, when it comes to our own faith, when it comes to even the idea of parenting adult children and all of that. Yeah. So you started the sermon with the Hail Mary prayer. Yeah. Why Why did you feel like you wanted to do that? Or what, what about that made it intri- interesting to start that way? Well, I, I kind of, in- I started my message reflecting on the fact that Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians elevate or venerate Mary to an extreme degree, like compared to us as Mm -hmm. Protestants to us, she's basically a Christmas story or a Christmas character. And that's about it. We barely think about Mary. And so I I just, that kind of got me thinking about like, all right, if, if Mary is such a significant part of many or most Christians day-to-day experience of being Christian and it's not like, she's not anywhere in our day-to-day experience of being a Christian. I wonder if there's more, to her story than we normally pay attention to. Yeah. So that I just thought it would be interesting to draw people into that a little bit and say, is there more here for us to dig into? And and I, I think hopefully after the message, people would say, Oh yeah, there is. Yeah. She's actually pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I think maybe really, really if, to answer your question directly, I'm in a season or a phase where I'm becoming increasingly aware of other church traditions, theological uh, trends, patterns, even things like, I, I mentioned this in the app notes, but I didn't even realize that there was a, a much earlier, you know, the schism between East and West, between the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic church that mm-hmm. happened in like 1054. Yeah, of course. I know you that know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that one. Anyway, there was a much earlier schism at the council of Ephesus and it was all about the identity of Mary. Was mm. she Christotokos or Theotokos? Was she the, the, Christ bearer or the God bearer? Who did she have in her womb? And the church actually split. Wow. Uh, and the church of the East, which was Christians in Persia, they believed that she was Christotokos because how could a human bear the fullness of God? Mm. Whereas the rest of the church, which, which includes everybody else, basically said, no, she did have the fully divine, mm. like son of God in her, in her womb. So anyway, all that to say, this is, she's something people think about a lot. And I'm, I'm, at, at the very least, seeing invitations within the traditions of other aspects of Christianity for us to consider are have we accepted an extremely limited perspective on some of these truths yeah. that God is God's spirit yeah. is like is, the pendulum swings so hard yes. in one direction yes to kind of counter where we don't want to go, but then right. it's it's swung too far in that direction. Yeah, right. And there's some things like with Protestantism. Uh, sola scriptura. That's one of the, one of the lessons of Protestantism, which is like only the Bible. That's where we get our information. That's where we get our truth. And, and as a Protestant, I'm like, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. 
but then there's like, wait a second, but what about like church tradition and the Holy Spirit's, you know, movement through, through the prophetic gifts and the church? Like, can we really say that the Bible is the only place that we can ever hear God's voice? No, it's the chief among them, but maybe there are other ways. And so anyway, all that to say, I'm like, I'm intrigued while not like having any, in any way, losing my Protestant, <laughs> you know, perspective. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I do want to expand my thinking. So that's where it's all coming from. Well, you mentioned Mary, you mentioned this sermon like two months ago. Oh, cause I, yeah. Cause I, I preached about Simeon and his prophecy. Yeah. And, and you were like, Hey, come back in February. Cause I'm going to be <laughs> talk, talking about yeah. Mary. So how long have you been preparing for this message or was it just, you knew vaguely you wanted to talk about dive deeper into Mary, but it wasn't going to be for a while. Like how t- take us a little bit through that process. Yeah. Back in the fall, I, I, I mentioned, I read a quote from a book, the Lord by Roberto Gardini, who's, who's actually a Roman Catholic priest and theologian. And I've been reading this book about Jesus and he has a chapter about Mary that, that I quoted from that I just found really compelling and kind of, it had a similar big idea to this message, which was about how remarkable of a woman and a model of faith she is. And I read that back in the fall and I was like, Ooh, one of these days, one of these days I would love to preach about this and then kind of just put it on the back burner until we realized that, uh, yeah, let's do this series about the disciples. And I was like, ah, that's a perfect chance to do it. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's like, why. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wouldn't say I've been preparing for this for months and months, but I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it since like last fall. Mm-hmm. So you said you wonder if we may have missed something or we we don't get the full picture of Mary. What aspects of her faith and character do you feel like we've neglected and how might we learn from her? Well, this is this is kind of we have to basically fill in some significant blanks because scripture does not explicitly spell out a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But I think when you look at, like I already mentioned, the fact that she stuck with Jesus through everything, when you when you really think about what that everything was, it it's pretty remarkable. The 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 glimpses that we get of Mary, or even the the moments where Jesus is speaking of his mother or of motherhood or whatever, you you just you wonder what Mary must have been thinking and feeling and experiencing. And if you put them all together as a, as a kind of a narrative and think about who she was, it's, it's almost impossible to think of Mary as, as um, just being totally cool with everything and being like, Oh, that's just Jesus. But like, I think she probably (laughs) struggled. I mean, it would have been, it's not a leap to think of her really wrestling with a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of her, her faith in the midst of the wrestling, her faith in the midst of the incomprehension. That's what I found so remarkable about her faith. I love that you mentioned that moment at the wedding at Cana. Yeah. When she was like, look, they're running out of wine. And he's like, woman, (laughs) my time is not. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, we, when we're taught, when you mentioned that as the example, I was like, okay, when he did that and then, you know, did the miracle, like what did Mary then say? She said, mm-hmm. No, there was no... There, <laughs> That's she, why it's not in the Bible. doesn't say anything. Because yeah. there's no Greek word for mm-hmm. She's like, I, I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, we have no record of how she reacted when he did that. Right. Um, but the fact, to me, what stood out was the fact that she knew he could do something about this. Right. Um, told me that she's she's known about him and what he was capable of right. and his so come on, I've seen and you do it before. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but here's, and here's the thing though. And this is what, like why I'm just so eager. I wish we could just get more details because what she really says to him is 
they're running out of wine or there's no yeah. more wine. That's all she says. Yeah. Which if it was just that, then, then, then she's not thinking miracle at all, except for the fact that Jesus responds, woman, it's mm-hmm. not my time, which suddenly it's like, oh, so Jesus heard what she said about there not being enough wine in, in relation to his, his yeah. kingdom mission and the inauguration of the kingdom of God. <laughs> so there was something else going on there between yeah. the two of them. But the fact that he would say no says, that, okay, they're not on the same page here. Yeah. She, she must've been thinking yeah. this is the time. And he's saying, it's not the time, yeah. but then he goes ahead and he does it. So was she right? Like it's all, I don't know. Yeah. Cause he's like, it's not my time. And she's like, Hey, do whatever he says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. she submitted to his judgment before before his ministry ever began, she yeah. submitted to his judgment. That's that's a good way of putting yeah. it. And then he goes ahead and does it. So I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, all I was trying to say is I don't know what, and I don't think anyone knows exactly what the dynamics were in that specific moment, but it's clear that at least in his response, they're not on the same page at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said the sword that would pierce Mary's soul could have been the hardship that she experienced much of her life, but you think it goes deeper. Um, and so what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I, I tried to capture as much as we know about Mary in, in the course of this conversation. And one of the things I I pointed out was the fact that she did go through a lot of traumatic stuff. I mean, the flight to Egypt with her baby boy when Herod is murdering innocent children in Bethlehem, the the poverty that they experienced, the the whole baby in the manger thing, which is cute in a nativity scene, but like take a newborn baby and stick it in an animal's feed trough. Like that's yeah. awful. It's humiliating. The The possibility that, that Joseph died early, we don't know, but it's, I mean, it's a possibility. He doesn't show up again in the story. So if all those things and point that to the whole virgin becoming pregnant thing. Yeah. And the social, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I didn't even think to talk about that. that the social, part? the social ostracization, mm-hmm. like, yeah, those are all that stuff. But <laughs> many of those things are things shared by, countless people in the ancient world Mm -hmm. that that's hardship. That's just hardship in a, in an ancient society, especially for a peasant. So none of that was unique to her in my, in my opinion, what was unique to her was that, that growing chasm that I mentioned earlier between this very human son that she has, who was also very divine. (laughs) And again, we, I wish we knew we just have to piece it together. But did Jesus from the, from childhood understand his divinity? Was it an awakening Mm -hmm. in some form for him? Those are all big questions and we just don't know. But regardless, Mary did not fully grasp it maybe ever, but at least until the resurrection, she did not fully understand. And yet she had to watch her son go through these ordeals and these trials and ultimately his death knowing full well that this is where things were heading because he won't stop doing things that keep poking the bear and keep talking bad about the religious leaders and all that stuff. She, she knew this was where things were headed. She was going to lose her son. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I think that the ultimate death of her son on that cross and the full recognition that because of who he was, this was his destiny. And yet this is the child she would have given anything to protect. Like that to me is the sword that that just splits her soul right in two. Yeah. Um. So that that's my take on it. I, and I, I could be wrong. There may Simeon may have had something entirely else in mind. There's there's other references to um, the division that 
happens between people, this sort of, uh, like in Luke, in that prophecy, between people who believe in Jesus and don't, it's kind of a theme in the gospel of Luke. And so maybe that's the sword and maybe she made the right choice, but that, I don't know. I I think it has more to do with his identity and the, the recognition as his mom, that her son was out of her hands and lost Mm -hmm. because of who he was. All right, Marin, I got a question for you. No. <laughs> I've been I've been kind of dreading this because I don't I don't know that I, I'm not speaking for every mom, but there were elements of that message that were hard to hear because yeah. we cannot help but Well, think this of one this one should kids, be this one should be a layup. Our sons. This is a layup. This is, this is a layup. Okay. Please. So, um did you ever take your kids to birthday parties? Has your son <laughs> ever pierced your soul? Has your son? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, when Jesus is young, they look for him for three days, yes. right? And when they find him, he's like, I had to be with my, in my father's house. Yeah. And again, we don't get the whole like, oh, okay, no, you're, we're good. <laughs> like, we don't get the reaction. Yeah. How would you <laughs> have responded <laughs> if you had to look for your child for three days and they're like, didn't you know I had to be with my father's house? So like, would that have sufficed for you? Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that part of the story too. It Doesn't it say at the end of that whole story that basically they were bewildered. They didn't understand. They did not understand. That's right. They didn't even get it then. I I keep wondering at what point did she realize, oh, he really is the son of God. He's not mine. (laughs) Because even at that point, they they didn't understand what he meant saying, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? That's crazy. That is crazy. And what (laughs) would I have said or done? Yeah. Um, Only Jaden knows that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, so you gave a couple examples of Jesus and Mary drifting apart. We talked about the wedding at Cana, um, saying that his disciples are his mother and his brothers. Yeah. uh, On the cross when he tells John, here's your mother. Um, Do we have examples, any examples of Mary growing frustrated by the growing distance? Or is this why she's revered? Like, because she remained surrendered and faithful through and through. Is there any example of her being like sad about that? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't believe so. I don't, nothing explicit. Uh, it, it's all inference uh, from yeah. like what we must assume she must've been feeling. I mean, now that passage that we just talked about, mm-hmm. it says that she, like sh- they were Terrifying. frantic Yeah. yeah. then. And, and her response, how could you do this to us? Yeah. That's different than just like, what were you thinking? Yeah. yeah. So there's some of that, but, but generally speaking, no, I mean, we don't, the whole, your mother and brothers are outside and Jesus says, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? Like I would give anything to know what did she think when she heard him (laughs) that he said that, did you hear what he just said? Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have it. So that's the answer to your question is it's not there. Yeah. We have to just infer. Hmm. Cause I have to imagine she would, if she's, if she's bewildered, at that age, I have to imagine there would there would have come a time where she's like f- internally frustrated by the bewilder the continuing bewilderment. But we don't have record of it. Um, how did Mary interact with and influence Jesus Jesus's ministry? How how do you think she had any any impact on that? That's a really good question. Thank you. She at least inaugurated it at the wedding with the first miracle. That's right. Yeah. She kicked it off. Do basically. whatever he says. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, inference, but like you look at who she was, the person that she was when, she, when the angel shows up and says, you're going to bear the Messiah. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Yeah. You, you got to think someone with that level of surrender and trust would be, um, 
a, a very per, a, a godly example for Jesus to look up to to yeah. see that. I mean, that's a that's a that's not just something some teenager made up on the spot. That's like a pretty fundamental posture, mm-hmm. and so um, that's. I mean, it's one of the reasons she's so revered is because she responds in that way. In fact, she's so revered that in some traditions, she's even thought to have never sinned, that she was also sinless. Yeah. Because how could a sinful person bear the son of God? And some traditions say she was a perpetual virgin. She never, ever had sex because Mm -hmm. that would be considered somehow, uh, you know, less than perfect and I don't know, whatever. So it like... (laughs) everybody has all these like ideas of who she was as a, as a person. And so regardless, she was remarkable. She was his mom. Mm -hmm. I think she influenced him a lot and it would have been her responsibility to make sure even as a tiny child that he was learning Torah, that he was learning Mm -hmm. the songs and the poems of his people. Like that would have been her responsibility. So, I mean, to be the one who taught Jesus (laughs) the basics of the Hebrew faith is a pretty big responsibility. I wonder if like she was present for some of those big moments, like the Sermon on the Mount. And -hmm. if she would have put, if she would have been able to put some of the puzzle pieces together in her mind, as, Mm -hmm. as you were giving this message, I kept looking back over Mary's song in Luke chapter one. And she says things like he has sent the rich away empty. Mm. He's filled the hungry with good things. He's exalted the lowly. She, she would have heard him talking about those exact things in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And I wonder if she was like, yep, I knew he would do that. I yeah. sang about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it, she does seem to have an understanding of his purpose before she even gives birth to him. Just sure. at the announcement of the news that she's carrying the Lord, she she sings this song. Right. I, uh, I mentioned last week that I started watching The Chosen and, uh, the amount of the amount of other people who are watching or have watched the chosen that told me this past weekend that they are also watching the chosen there's like a there, it's a much larger group than i would have anticipated hearing about but so i i love one thing i'm all caught up by the way i'm nice. all, i'm all caught <laughs> You're up watching on the chosen. Like season 4 now well that's it, it's currently in movie theaters and i haven't gone to the theater to go see it but gotcha. i've i've finished season 3 but i love how the chosen has chosen to the chosen is chosen. <laughs> Got I it. love how the chosen is chosen to uh, portray <laughs> the character of Mary. So mm. obviously they're they're taking like creative inferences or they're they're showing what could have been possible or plausible between the relationship between all of these people and Jesus. But um, small and subtle things like he spends. I think it's in season one. He spends an entire day um, baptizing and preaching to people. And he's exhausted. He comes back to camp with all of his disciples and Mary's there and he comes back and he's super tired and he doesn't want to talk. Mary gets up and goes to his tent and basically like is there to nurture him and listen to him or speak encouragement to him in a way that only a mother could. Mm. And that was the first time I've ever been like, oh, yeah, hmm. my mom would do like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a total mom move right there. Like, you know, mm. um, so I, I really again, encourage you if you're interested and just obviously there's, there's no like biblical record of that ever happening, but right. you're like, that could have, right. that could have happened. That's, I'm that's a cool positive. Choice. She, at one point, right before he got up to give a sermon, like licked her thumb and got something off his yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, ma, <laughs> you're embarrassing me. Yeah. Um, you said all of all Jesus's disciples, Mary had the most reason to fall away from him. Yeah. Why do you think so? I, again, I think this goes back and I, 
could be wrong. That's just my take. But I think she's technically was with him the longest of anyone could possibly be. Like she was there while he was like growing in her womb. So she's at the very least got nine months on any other person who claims to follow Jesus. But I think she, she had to face all of this bewilderment of, of her fully human, fully divine son and all the stuff that she went through that we've talked about already. She had to face all of that over and over again. And then the, the undoubtedly the doubts and the questions and the fears, I mean, all of his disciples faced when it came to like, wait, you're going to die in Jerusalem. What are you talking about? And they, they struggled with that. She had to struggle with it more. That's, that's how I see it. So I don't, I mean, we, we know she didn't fall away, but I would, not blame her yeah. for being among the people of Nazareth saying like, who are the, you're, you are the Messiah, this, this carpenter's son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she saw him, she knew him when he was a kid, when he was knucklehead. I don't know. Like imagine like one of your boys, <laughs> imagine Milo, someone tells you, <laughs> actually he is the, the one, he will be the emperor of the universe Gird one day. <laughs> You'd be like, him yeah so that's <laughs> yeah. so that's like i mean i don't know that's my money's on lane anyway yeah, yeah, oh, right. no. man. Yeah. i don't yeah. know about that <laughs> um anyway so i all that to say we don't have any reason to think that she did question or did doubt or did fall away ever but I, she definitely had plenty of reasons to yeah that's my that take sense. that's my perspective and so the fact that she's one of the only people standing there at the cross as everyone else is running and hiding or denying Jesus or selling him out to the, to the Pharisees or whatever, those are all of his other followers. The fact that she's still there mm-hmm. says a lot. Mm. Do you guys think that when she saw Jesus, she saw her son or she saw God? That's a great question. I don't know. I, I guess that's the line I'm trying to find. It's clear when he's lost at the temple, she sees her son. She's looking for her yeah, son. Right. Um, it sounds like at the wedding, she sees her son, but she knows he could do some stuff because he's God. Yeah. So, yeah, at, yeah I, I don't know if she saw both at all times or if there was a point at which it kind of flipped in her mind and she realized he, he really was divine. Like, I wonder if she had her own dreams for him. Mm. You know, like, I... I imagine, I mean, every parent has like dreams or like aspirations for their sure. for their child. I wonder if she had that or if she was like, well, I was told these things by this angel and my, it's, it's kind of out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I wonder like, did Jesus ever like disobey or disappoint or, you know, uh, make poor choices that he has to live with? Like I think of my, my kids <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're, they're disobedient. Sometimes they put their parents through the ringer. Uh, or was she like, well, he said he had to be at his father's temple. So he's mm-hmm. a young kid. Most kids don't know what they're talking about, but he's God. So I guess we're all good here. You know, I was wondering, even as we were just talking about that story, like you have, uh, you have hundreds of stories stories about the things your kids have said. Yeah. And sometimes we get to hear those stories yeah. here yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. I wonder if the person who's putting this down in the scriptures is like, oh my gosh, we have to remember that one cute <laughs> yeah. thing Jesus said about needing to be in his father's house. <laughs> yeah. Well, it did yeah. say Char- uh, Mary, uh, what is, stored all these things in her heart. Right, that was her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a great question. I, I, the big question for me is what did it, did it look like for Jesus to be either become aware 
of or to step into his full nature as the son of God. Mm -hmm. And this is something that theologians and philosophers have talked about forever. Um, because there's all these different schools of thought about it. Like there, there are traditions. Um, they're not biblical, but there are certain traditions and some writings that have Jesus like as like a little toddler mm -hmm. doing magic tricks, basically he's turning clay pigeons into real birds and like <laughs> weird stuff yeah. like that because he's like basically this yeah. like <laughs> divine magician person thing. And it's like, ah, uh, maybe, uh, probably not. Yeah. But, but then there's also like a, a very, I find it very interesting kind of a tradition of Jesus essentially almost like awakening into or, or growing into his awareness of right. his Godhood or of his, of being the son of God. And, and you see moments like the testing in the wilderness yeah. rather than thinking of it in terms of, um, well, of course he's Jesus. So of course he's not going to give into the evil one. If you think of it in terms of him awakening to who he really is and who his true identity is, like that's a, that's actually a very high tension moment where things are on the line, where he mm. could choose to go down the route of what everyone expected of the Messiah, this military dictator that was going to come in and, yeah. and defeat all the enemies. But instead he goes the other way and he mm. chooses humility. He chooses obedience to his father. Like those kinds of things. It, it's this potentially this awakening or this growing into his full nature. And if that was happening, then Mary was also awakening into or growing into a realization of what that meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or he was magic baby. I don't know. Like <laughs> one of the two. Um, or I, I'm going to offer a third option. Maybe. Go for and it. Maybe it's not a third option. I feel like we, we're, this is going to sound cheesy. It, like we're closer to God when we're young because there are fewer things that like inhibit us. Yeah. And then we tend to kind of like, become disillusioned by things that we see in the world and we kind of lose that, that closeness. I wonder if Jesus just never lost that. Mm. If he did come into the world with a sense of the nearness of his father and the reality of his father. Sure. And then unlike the rest of us who kind of get hardened by disappointments and things that we see, he just never lost that closeness mm. and only grew even yeah. closer right. uh, to the father to the point where he's a kid and he knows, Oh, that's my father's house. The temple, that's <laughs> right. my father's house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's such a fascinating thing to consider and plenty of church councils have gotten and yeah. gotten very wound up about <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. how this all worked. But yeah. yeah. Um, Marin, you, all right. So what, what does all this have to do with us? You are, a mother. So you probably received this message differently. I did, especially at us. 11. At 9.15, it was okay because my kids weren't in the yeah, room. Yeah, but, but you've got 11, adult children who oof. possibly sometimes feel like they're slipping through your fingers a little <laughs> bit. What uh, What did you hear? How did you receive this? I'm curious, first of all, Where, how's your heart? <laughs> how did it, did it strike you guys in any way that I chose to make that one of the application points? Because um, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily obvious that that's where I should go, but I felt kind of a, a nudge from the spirit to do it. But I'm curious if, it, if you guys expected that or not as the message was going along. No, I don't think I expected it. I'm glad that you did go there. Yeah. That was one of the ways that you could make a message like this very practical mm -hmm. um, to people in unique stages of life who are experiencing similar things. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you did, but no, I don't think I expected you to go there. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I um, am also glad you did, but I, I I expected the um let's focus on her faith and yeah. her um surrender and yeah. submission, but I didn't expect the 
the part where it's like, here's for the parent, for the parents who children may sometimes feel like they're slipping through your fingers a little bit. Like here's mm. some encouragement for you. So <laughs> Marin, the floor is yours. <laughs> how did you, how did you receive the, the, uh, the message? I, I feel like it is a seed that was planted that is still like sinking down mm. and down and down <laughs> into my heart. Um, y'all know me, I'm a worrier and the, really the moment both my kids could drive, mm. the worry just is nonstop until yeah. the cars are parked in front of the house yeah. and I know that they're right. home and it's just something I'm, I'm probably going to struggle with forever. Yeah. <laughs> Even after they like leave my house, like I just, I have always worried. <laughs> they're never <gonna> <laughs> <laughs> Especially with all those those large metallic objects flying at them every every time they leave. Yeah. <laughs> what? Cars, trucks, buses. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh. No, Desi already has her own like dishware. She's yeah. ready to go. Oh, she's, she's ready to get she out. Does. She got her own She dishes. has a whole corner of the garage that's just like, when I get out of here, I'm taking all of this with me. <laughs> um, no, the letting go is it's just really hard. It's almost impossible to describe. Um, Jaden goes out with his friends every Sunday night. It's like a ritual, something that they do. And I cannot rest until he is home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I know in order to be a healthy living person, <laughs> I have to let go for his sake, for my sake. And it's not like I'm texting him like, when are you going to be home? It's right. just that inwardly I can't really relax until sure. I know everybody is where they belong and everybody is safe Everything Just is picturing good. the classic, like he comes in late at night, the lights are all out in the house. He opens the front door and you're just sitting in the living room, just like waiting for that door to open. The other day, I think we were both coming home, maybe even from here, but it was super foggy. Like visibility was yeah. really bad. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'm kind of, I'm living with bated breath until I know that both kids are home safe and whatever. Um, but I also know full well that we are not promised that we will live a life free of tragedy. Yeah. And so if a worst case scenario rolls up onto my shores, how will I handle it? Mm. How will God help me through it? How will I sense his nearness and his presence as I, I, I can remind myself on an intellectual level that they are not mine to keep and that we live in a broken world. and Anything can happen. Mm. I, I know that on an intellectual level. I don't ever want to feel the reality of that. Sure. On a gut level. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like it's something that I'm working through as a parent of adult kids. Um, not everybody has the same degree of worry that I have. Some parents are like, great, get them out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. I, I don't like that I carry this burden of worry um, and I'm learning to turn it over and trust sure. God. Sure. Um, this sermon obviously made me think of my own mom and we have a, we have a good relationship, but I'm sure she's felt me slipping through her fingers, like throughout my life, throughout her life. And I'm sure she longs for the closeness she had when we were, when I, when I was younger and we've certainly had our ups and downs, but there isn't anyone on this planet who would come to my defense faster than <laughs> yeah. my, than my mom. Um, she, you know, hasn't understood some of the choices I've made throughout my life, including maybe even working in ministry <laughs> sure. and the hardship that comes with that sometimes. Um, but she supports me. And so I'm grateful that she's found a way to believe in me and walk even in her confusion. 
um, which I think was one of the one of the talking points is like even in even in Mary's confusion of what this is all about, she was submitted and surrendered to su- supporting and following her son. Yeah, I even asked myself, could I could I be there at the foot of the cross mm. and yeah. watch my son suffer? Wow. I don't think I can answer that. I don't know that I could. Yeah, I think I can answer that. That that's no. There's no way. On one hand, there's no way. But on the other hand, where else where could else I possibly I be? be? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, if if I had any kind of awareness that my son was suffering, and would I not be there? Right. You know, <laughs> that's true. Even right. that is just such a powerful portrayal of who she was and right. why she's so significant in Christendom. That's right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about my mom too. Obviously, I mentioned in the message briefly how she felt when I was kind of <laughs> falling away in college and was going through my really yeah. dark, dark face. But what I didn't talk about was, to, from her perspective, I called her last week just to kind of, you know, make sure I got all the details right. And she, she was like, "Oh, that time, that's nothing. <laughs> what I'm really dealing with <laughs> yeah. is you being a pastor. <laughs> like, wow. yeah, it's been way yeah. harder for me to be a pastor than it, yeah. than it ever was for me to have that little moment of." That surprises me. I I would have thought she would have said, oh, that time in college, what was way harder yeah. was when you were in Kenya and yeah, when no. you were all over the world and marching through jungles with your machete. Nope. That, <laughs> well, I'm sure there was a part of it, but no, I think that, that season of life, it was like, I'm going to stab myself with a machete <laughs> and then I will die. I would worry. That season of my life, I, they did worry. There were, have I told you the story? All right. Sorry. This is a side effect. There was a moment of worry that just reminds me, um, so I guess, yes, she did. She did worry. When I was in <laughs> um, Kenya for that year, I went on a little bus trip out to Garissa. I'm sure I've told the story before out near the border of Somalia. Okay. It was my, my one big request is I need to go see a village. I was in Nairobi the whole time. I was like, I've got to go see rural Kenyan life. Like I can't spend a whole year here and never. Mm. So they sent me to rural Kenya, but rural Kenya, like in the desert. <laughs> and so I went out to the desert and went on my way there the day before we left, I got this massive stomach infection and I was so sick, but I was not about to like turn down this opportunity. And so I rode the bus with this one other, uh, Kenyan guy who'd never been out to that part of the country either. And the two of us went all the way out on our own to go to this place. And, um, I was miserable. I was physically ill. It was like 120 million degrees at night. And like the the mosquito net with holes in it was like sticking to my sweating skin as I like soaked through my foam pillow. Like it was miserable. And, and I was like barely able to get down just a a little, just get down a little bit of white rice. Like that's all I could eat. And I managed to get myself to an internet cafe where I could send one email home. (laughs) And the only email I sent was I am so sick. I feel terrible. (laughs) Everything is awful and I hate it here. And I sent that home and then, and then the internet went out in the city for the next like week and I couldn't send another follow. Your mom was like, (laughs) thanks. Right. And so one of those nights around the time that I was actually starting to get better, I was eating again and I was feeling okay. Uh, around that time, my mom had this, uh, Oh, Oh, my mom and dad were, were falling asleep. And then out of nowhere, my picture my picture frame on the wall falls no. off the wall and hits the ground and, and oh, dad no. didn't see it. Uh, but mom saw it and she knew that I had just died. She knew that I had just died. <laughs> oh so, so she's freaking out. She won't say anything cause she doesn't want to freak my dad out. But then I, after a couple of days, she's finally like, I, I have to say, I have to say something this happened. And she told the whole thing about the picture frame. And dad was like, yeah, I threw my pillow over there and knocked the frame off the wall. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Sorry about that. She knew oh you goodness. were dead anyway. So 
Maybe after that, the rest of my travels were not really that big yeah, of a deal. Yeah, not that big of yeah. a deal. Um, okay, so if you could crystallize it, how would you say that we can model Mary's faith in our own lives? Well, I mean, the the big takeaway that I had at the end, I think, is an answer to that, which is that we can trust, follow, believe in Christ, even when we don't have all of the ducks in a row and all the answers and all the uh, clarity that we want. Like we have plenty of questions, but you can follow without all the answers. That's kind of one takeaway. And so for people who like me are, are relatively skeptical, have a lot of questions, would love it if things were really clear, crystal clear and spelled out. There is a way to believe and trust and follow and, and to find the life that comes with that, even when you haven't nailed it all down. Yeah. So that's one big takeaway. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. So that's how you, that's how you ended the the sermon. Um, you asked a couple of questions like, what if, what if you choose, chose to surrender your, your life to Christ without all the answers? Why do you, why was it important to end the sermon this way? It, it kind of felt like, a. I mean, you you kind of bookended it, Hail Mary, and then Hail Mary at the yeah. very end. That was kind yeah. of cool. But how, why did you choose to um, kind of cr- say if you even if you have questions, like it's 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 okay, and you should have faith anyways. My experience has been that the answers or the beginnings of answers don't come before the journey; they come on the journey. Um, in other words, so much of the mystery of what God is doing in the world has become at least somewhat clear to me or at least visible to me by following him to see where he's moving. If I had just sat at home and waited to be told or to be have it proven to me what God was doing in the world, I don't know that I would believe. I don't know that I ever would have seen those things enough to have that build into my faith today. But because I chose to follow despite my questions, I have had the privilege of seeing how God is working in all these different places to experience all these things, to experience the spirit moving and all of those things then build my faith. I still have questions. I may even have more questions than I did before, but now I actually have, I can look back, I can see God's faithfulness in my life. I can see the ways that he showed up to me, through me, uh, in the lives of other Christ followers. And, and that to me helps to build a, a foundation of faith that is that does not require like the perfect clarity of all the answers. Yeah. So that's been my own experience, and that's where that's why I feel like it's important. Um, so many people are are hindered by the by the questions, and so they don't ever take a step, and yeah. that's not the way to experience the answers. What about you, Marin? Why why do you think it's important to have faith even if you don't have all the answers? Um. Is this a different question than the one you just asked, Barry? No. <laughs> well, he ended the sermon that way. That's right. So why, like, t- in your experience, why, I know you've had faith in despite some really hard mm-hmm. circumstances, despite not having answers. Why do you feel like it's okay to embrace Jesus despite not having all the answers to your questions, mm-hmm. you know? He is divine. I am not. He's infinite. I'm finite. I never felt like I could or should have all the answers. I always ask him for them. <laughs> I'd love yeah. to have some. Um, but I don't think that I am, I think I know my place in the universe. I don't think that I am owed uh, 
an explanation of all things. I think there would be no need for faith if that were even a possibility. So then what is faith? Um, I thought you were asking Barry, that's why I asked you a question about kind of what we're learning from Mary or, or why, what's the big takeaway from, from having a sermon about Mary. Sure. Um, I'm asking myself why she was called blessed or why even in her song, she calls herself blessed, right? Um, Hmm. Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Well, we just talked about like the hardship of Mary and um, some of the, the trauma that she endured. Why would all generations call her blessed? Why would she say that of herself? Um, and I think maybe part of the answer is just a couple verses before that. And I said this in my prayer at the end of service yesterday. Um, you gave this wonderful message about Mary. The worship team closed with the song Promises, which I'm not even sure they did this on purpose. But right ahead of Mary's song, she is hanging out with her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who has believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Another translation says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill all of his promises to her. New King James. That was New King James. Um, Maybe that's why she was blessed. In the midst of the trauma and the the having to let go of her, her son and watch him um, live a life that she probably never imagined and say things that, she at least would have known would cost him his life. Despite all of that, at least according to Elizabeth, Mary believed in her heart that God would fulfill all the promises that he made to her. Um, Yeah. Read Mary's song when you get a chance. It's Luke chapter one, and it starts down in verse 46. The things that Mary held on to, um, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoiced in God, my savior, for he's regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. She knew her place in the universe. Yeah. She knew how lowly she was. And yet God saw her Mm. and chose her and essentially anointed her to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. Why was she blessed? Um, Because she believed that the Lord saw her and that he was near to her and that he would keep his promises to her. So. That's my takeaway from this. Yeah. Um, even when it's bleak, even when I don't have all of the answers, know that he is near. Cling to him like Mary did. Even in, in the face of disaster, even at the foot of the cross, cling to him like Mary did. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's something, I mean, I have been a person that likes having the answers. I mean, I, I mean, I... So having faith without having answers has been a challenge throughout sure. my throughout my life. And so that's why I asked the question, why mm-hmm. has it been important to you or have you ex- how have you experienced this because for me it's been it's been harder to to just have uh, a blind faith, but ma- this this person Mary is just inspirational in that way. Like she was probably confused a lot of the time. Um and she had faith anyway. She was probably, you know, yeah. blindsided some of the time and she had faith anyways. And so, yeah, that's why I asked the question. Um, where do we, where do we go next? What are we doing? 
Uh, all right. Well, we are going to the uh, passage in later in Luke where Jesus sends out the 72 disciples to kind of be um, messengers that the that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's Jesus's message. And so he sends out his disciples to do that. And as he sends them to, to go, he gives them some very unique marching orders, he, which we'll look at. He does. He says, don't take any extra provisions. Don't take yeah. a bag. Just go. <laughs> yeah. And I want us to just think about what it is that Jesus is inviting his disciples to do because it, We'll get into that this. That seems unreasonable. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they come back rejoicing. So yeah. what is it at the core of his message here? And we'll look at the world of the text and talk about how, at least in Luke and Acts, Luke's two-part <laughs> series, how this theme of John the Baptist being sent into the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord, the 12 disciples being sent to prepare the way for Jesus, the 72 being sent, and then in Acts, the apostles and the entire church being sent into all the world, how how this places us in the midst of a grand mission of of the gospel of the good news mm, being declared. Cool. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm, yeah. I don't exactly know where I'm going to land with it. Yeah, but not yet. Not yet. We'll find out. Not cool. Until Wednesday at five. Not until Wednesday at <laughs> four twenty when I have to start working it's on deadline. the app notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I need to I need to say that we're not going to be here next week. Oh, no well. pod, no pod next week. Oh, that's oh right. We've got a lead team retreat. Lead team retreat. Yeah, shoot. I almost forgot to say that. So, uh, no pod next week. And uh, Barry's Barry's thinking. No, I'm just. We will have a pod the following week. Yeah, right? pod the following. We'll week. We'll be okay. double up. We'll be talking about both messages the following week. Whoa, double pod. Whoa. Wow. Probably. <laughs> now that you've said it, we we'll probably have to do it. Um. So we'll see you in two weeks. And uh, yeah, Marin. Will you please send us out? I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs>